Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. All right, I got my gear set. Uh, Welcome to the season of theme parks. I still have children all young enough. I thought that once they graduated high school, they would get past that. No, it appears that we are in the true season of uh, theme parks, ages 18 to 29. And so in that theme, I invite you to buckle up and keep your arms and legs in the shul during this ride, um, because this Parsha is when you really start taking it apart, it becomes quite a roller coaster. I uh, appreciate metaphor greatly in my life, and uh, this one is full of metaphor, so much so that I started calling it over the past few weeks the slippery, ten tentacled octopus of Torah. Or, for those of you who uh, would prefer something a little more close to your life, imagine a fitted sheet with ten corners instead of four, and you have to fold it beautifully. <laughs> there, are, um, there was a, a homiletics scholar uh, back in the 70s through the 90s named David Buttrick, and his specialty was teaching people how to do this, how to, to talk about scripture. And in his most famous book, it was called Homiletic, he talked about moves. Um, And I've realized uh, that that book was very inspirational to me, not in how to talk, but in how to read and how to understand. And this particular Parsha has 10 narrative moves that it does. It's one of the reasons why it seems so tentacled to me, or roller coastery, or fitted sheety, um, but it is also what makes it really beautiful. And I would suggest that um, the united theme throughout this Parsha and these 10 moves is communication. How well we communicate with each other, how well we understand what we're telling ourselves, how we understand what Hashem is saying to us, and that they are lessons on how to be a congregation. These are the lessons of what happens when we are out of the wilderness and we aren't all together and there is a a life, a daily life that is something other than this traveling. How will we be? After spending some time with this, I really felt like I could um, could write a uh, maybe a membership idea that uh, you know where we would go through what it means to be members here at Temple Bethel using this parsha, or that might be just the fact that Isaac sits behind me a lot, and I think he's putting ideas in my head from just sitting back. Lane, we need some membership help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, talk to me later, he says. Um, But I really do feel that this is um, a a partial that's not served well by splitting it up into our two or three year portions. This one, even though it's a behemoth, it works well together. And I'm fond of it because it saved my life twice. And this is where David Buttrick 
says, okay, now move to something completely different because you got them and you come back to that later. And so I will. Um, <clears throat> so the 10 moves, uh, as we have discussed, and, and Rabbi, thank you so much for, for unpacking this some last night and unpacking it some this morning. I would suggest that the 10 moves begin with the lighting of the menorah as one. Two is what I call the purification of God's workforce. You know, how are uh, they going to be pure as they move forward? Three is the second Passover, uh, which I uh, really love that because as a person who works with death and dying, um, I have a little, little funny chip on my shoulder about uh, the ritual uncleanliness that is considered in that work, but you'll hear more about that later too. Happens right before I almost die the first time. Uh, and uh, then four, is what I call the cloud and fire GPS. Maybe you all be so lucky to be able to follow, uh, okay, just look up. And uh, as the rabbi has mentioned, um, that was very difficult this past week. I too felt like it was all coming together this week with, with the, uh, the clouds and fires. The fifth move is the trumpets. The sixth move is in what order shall we Process. So it's the troops, the ordering of the troops. The seventh mood, move I like to call the comments section. You know, they say if you become famous, don't ever read the comments on anything because it's, it's devastating. Uh, this would be uh, God's comments section. Uh, eight is the idea of prophets. Nine is manna and memory. And ten is the power of words, uh, what happens with Miriam and Aaron uh, and the words they say. Okay, so those are our 10 moves and there will be no test on this. And at this point, I am going to stop and breathe because that's so much. A few weeks ago, I was like, what was I thinking volunteering for this? And if you've heard me speak before, you know that every time I speak, I get into the Parsha and go, what was I thinking volunteering for this? But if this is about communication and improving communication, we need to keep in mind that what I say here is simply not going to be enough for this Parsha. One of my favorite expressions as I teach people how to talk to other people in times of trauma and crisis is stop throwing words into the air. People in trauma and crisis do not need words thrown into the air. They need experience and healing and comfort. They need your presence. So as we thank our cantor for her dedication her passion, her talent, and her teachings. We also pause to appreciate the role of the cantor. So I think some of us, as we have thought about how we are going to miss Dara Rosenblatt, we have also thought how much we are going to miss um, the cantorial voice that she uniquely brings to us. As the one who sings to the parts of us that are too stubborn to listen to words. I uh, love this marginalia beside the song at the sea in our prayer book, which uh, is from the Netivot Shalom. 
Sometimes we sing to ourselves, no one else hears the sound, yet our minds are singing. Sometimes we sing, our vocal cords voice a tune and all can hear it and recognize it. And sometimes we sing and every cell of our bodies contains the song. Such songs transform both the singer and the listener. Her role in our community has been that, to transform us so that at least some time, and I felt it every Shabbat, there was just a moment in each Shabbat where I would be transformed and more than just myself. And you were part of that, and this space was part of that, and Hashem, of course, was most of that, and the rabbi was part of that, but there was a unique part that was just yours. Thank you. So as we uh, think about these moves, the kindling of lights, the embodying of the will of Hashem, the movement through the wilderness to something else. There is also a theme of communication through connection and through music. Our cantor is fluent in heart rhythms. She sings in the key of hope in the face of lament and she has multi-octave capabilities in meaning. Meanwhile, our rabbi is fluent in English, Hebrew, and Marvel comics. <laughs> and I am a speaker of several dialects of Star Trek. Star Trek is my love language. <laughs> um, thanks to my father. Uh, my father worked very, very hard, and uh, his, uh, both my parents worked very, very hard, but my father, the way he would reconnect to me after working and being away from me was Star Trek, the original series. And then when I went away to college, the next generation came on, and that was my way, when I was homesick, I would watch Star Trek and think of home. So Star Trek, to me, uh, isn't so much this uh, other universe that was created out of imagination, um, but it uh, is a time when I can rest and experience things in more than words. And my favorite Star Trek episode uh, has the wonderful actor Patrick Stewart, who played Captain Picard, and an equally marvelous actor who was only in two episodes, but. Paul Winfield, uh, who plays an alien captain. And one of the things that people love to make fun of Star Trek about is that they have a universal translator, right? So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, from, uh, if you're an aardvark species, we'll figure out a way to talk to you because we've got this universal translator in our ear. Well, the beauty of this is that these two men come from two different species and, um, they uh, have no shared language. The universal translator doesn't work. And the episode is called Darmok. It was written by Joe Minoski and Philip Lezebnik. Um, Philip Lezebnik is actually quite famous screenwriter. Uh, and so 
disoriented things start coming out. And I really think about the wilderness about this. And in fact, uh, this episode takes place on an, a wilderness planet. And so the alien keeps saying things that are translated as shaka, when the walls fall. And Picard is like, <laughs> and then really urgently, Temba, his arms wide. None of us understand it. Captain Picard doesn't. We don't. And finally, he keeps repeating over and over again, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra over and over. And then throughout the episode, it's just the two men, Picard starts to understand the language because it's a language of metaphors. It's not saying, do this, or I feel that. It says, remember this experience. But they're not shared experiences. They haven't had it. And ultimately, you discover that Paul Winfield's character is trying to create a shared experience so that they can join together, so that they can be community, these two species. If we go back to, I mentioned the second Passover. The beauty of the second Passover uh, is that it recognizes that ritual practices are what build us together as community. And that if you do not practice Passover with your family, as, as it is said here, if you are not able to do that, then you are cut off from your kin. And I think of that metaphorically, not literally. You don't have that shared experience. All right, so we're going through these moves. I'm just warning you the roller coaster is about to take a turn on shared experience. This past week, uh, my youngest, Lorelei, graduated from high school. And we have not celebrated it. Uh, unfortunately, 300 minutes after Lorelei graduated, in the same place, on the same day, for the same occasion, there was gun violence. And uh, it was like taking, taking our tongues from us. I had no, I have no words. I have no words to describe that. All I can say is I have pictures of Lorelei in that space, smiling and happy and surrounded by our family. And everything after is, is unthinkable. Um, I just can't figure it out. So we will celebrate in the spirit of second Passover, Lorelei's graduation in a few weeks. Um, so that we do have a shared experience and perhaps the words will come. But it has been Lorelei's three-year dream to weld. Yes, to weld. Lorelei uh, wants to learn how to be a welder. And um, this is just fascinating because this child is very cerebral, but uh, wants to do this. And so I took Lorelei to someone who speaks that language, a friend of mine from, from high school who then got all philosophical on me and said, while we're in there in his workshop, surrounded by welding equipment, says, well, you know, I'm not a welder. I go, oh, man, this is like that prophecy stuff. Of course, you know, the Parsha's in my head. Who's a prophet, right? Who's a prophet? Is Moses the prophet? Because God speaks mouth to mouth to Moses. Um, are those who have the dreams, are they the prophets? I say the guy with the welding equipment is the welder. So if your prophecy is true, you're a prophet in my book. 
So uh, Lorelei got to spend um, some time with this friend, Philip, and uh, he did the most wonderful thing. He explained a couple of things, literally like three things he explained. It took maybe four minutes. Then he showed this book of drawings of all these things he's created and why he wants them to fit that way. So we saw the vision. And then they just put on the equipment and started welding together. The shared experience. Just as we hear in this Parsha. It is the shared experience. Is it possible that we all have a wisdom within us that in the shared experience of this congregation, whether we are lighting lights, whether we are being purified, whether we are small children learning Hebrew for the first time, or those of us of a generation many removed trying not to forget it, isn't it possible each of us brings wisdom to the congregation? What we need though, and what is mentioned in this Parsha is transformational witness. Transformational witness is the act of us coming together and not doing this alone. We would not miss Cantor one bit if she had stood in this room by herself singing. It wasn't her singing. It was her singing to us, our singing back to her, our learning together and the song changed. That was what was transformational. The time in the wilderness was not transformational because it was wild. It was transformational because it was preparing our community to move forward in times when we might not be together. Transformational witness for each of us as congregants is the ability to say, I see the flaws. Temple Bethel is not perfect. I see them. Let's make improvements together. I see the injustice in the world. Let us build together as a congregation justice and dismantle oppression. I see disparity, and it is like a darkness over this world. Which ones of us will tend the lights? I see imperfection in you. You see imperfection in me. Let's work on that together. So um, in nearly dying, it was, uh, I was thinking about these words. And I was thinking about the complaining portion, because lots of people want to talk about the complaining move, right? Uh, of, of getting tired of, of manna and wanting meat and getting tired of this and wanting that and being dissatisfied and getting all grumpy. Um, and when I was in ROTC uh, 35 years ago, we had a song for this. I suggest there's a song for everything in life, personally. Our song for these times of complaining, the older students sang the song to the younger students to get us out of our heads and back in the game. And the song always had different lyrics, but it had the same tune. And so I'm going to change the lyrics for this Parsha, but the tune goes, Wah, 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 you say that you're hungry. You get the gift of manna. You say you're bored with manna, and Egypt cooked better. 
wah, 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 wah. And we would sing this while we were running because, of course, we were miserable running. And so you'd be running and you were being made fun of. And so you have to have a certain constitution, Moses, to deal with that, right? To keep running while you're being made fun of. And so what they would do is we would rotate who got to be the complainer. Uh, and so someone else would come up to sing. A wham, 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 I'm wearing cheap shoes. I want a pair of hokas, but I can't afford them, but I still gotta run. A wham, wham, wham. And I was sitting at a notoriously long light, singing this song in my head and laughing that 30 some years later, it still uh, inspires me to laugh at myself and not to take myself too seriously. And I was singing it out loud. And I'm at this long, long light, and it turned green, and I kind of missed it. And because I was singing, the, uh, the radio wasn't on, and I heard the sirens. And right when I should have been in the intersection, but was too busy singing, uh, a car, it was dark, a black car with no lights on comes 80 miles an hour through the 25 mile an hour intersection, followed by three police cars. And my, my tongue was taken out of my mouth again. I had no, no words. And then the light's still green, so I start to push the gas, but I stop because I can still hear the siren so clearly. The person had turned, they'd gone the other way, and they were coming through the intersection again, followed by the three police cars. And then the light turned red. And I didn't know what to do. And so I put the car in park because I didn't know what it meant to go through all of this alone. And I got out of the car and I walked back to the car behind me and the woman rolls down the window and she and her husband are like, bah, 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 bah. did you see that? We kept, we were praying, we were yelling prayers, don't move, don't move, don't move. Oh, it was the craziest thing. And all I could say is, so you saw that? <laughs> and they said, yes. I said, twice? They said, twice. I said, I'm really glad to be here. And they said, we're glad you're here too. And I get back in the car and I go to drive and I was going to an operating room to do uh, the work I do and I sang to myself a wham 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 a wham 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 you think you're ritually impure cause you work in death well look be there you survived that twice um, whatever the songs we have life brings us a lot of them and we need to sing them together if they're Anavakoa, if they're a wham, 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 if they're Danny Boy, we sing them together and we learn how to communicate better than words. Thank you for putting up with my words today. If you need any welding projects done, give us a call. Shabbat Shalom and Thank you for everything. This has been the TBE Richmond Podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. 
On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all.